Welcome to More to Come, PW Comics World's Live on the Spot, San Diego podcast. I'm Heidi McDonald, your host today. I am at the Skybound Lounge. I talked my way in. Uh, I'm here with uh, Sean Makowitz, the editor-in-chief. Is that your title? That's correct. Yes, of Skybound, uh, which is the imprint that puts out The Walking Dead uh, and um, many other titles that I can't think of because I have Conbrade. Uh, Sean, how's it going? It's going great, Heidi. All uh, right, good. Well, this is this this lounge. I, do you just sit here in the day and soak up the sun? I as mean... much as I can. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I love the convention, but spending time away from it is even better sometimes. Right. Yes. I've yet to set foot. <laughs> so, um, so uh, let's just cut right to the chase. Die, die, die. Sure. Wow. Yeah. How the hell? What the? Okay. This comic, you tried to do a midnight drop with it, and uh, just. And then it was shipped free to retailers? Yeah. So tell me about it. Tell, let's hear about Die, Die, Die. Sure. We started working on Die, Die, Die two years ago. It's a book created by uh, Robert Kirkman, Chris Burnham, and Scott M. Gimple, who's the showrunner mm-hmm. of The Walking Dead. And, uh, yeah, it's just something that I think a lot of our process, we start working on, on books, and we'll figure out how to properly launch them. And I know they kind of... Robert had always wanted to ship a book directly to stores without retailers knowing and really surprise oh. retailers and, and fans, give people a reason to come in. And I'm not sure when the process we decided Die, Die, Die was the one, but uh, the past six months, we've really had to hammer out that plan because it's not as, I mean, it's not an easy process. Mm-hmm. There's uh, rules against diamond shipping product to stores and making them pay for it. So, mm-hmm. and a big risk on Robert's behalf was, was making it free, uh, at least the initial copies. And then we did a significant overprint uh, that was available to reorder immediately mm-hmm. for retailers to fulfill that need. And uh, I think overall the response has been like, I think more positive than we originally thought. I think we were looking at worst case scenario and really worked with Diamond and Image to bulletproof the plan. And I think all that that preparation worked. Right. So I I think when I wrote about it, I com- I compared and contrasted with Oblivion Song. Sure. Because with that, you did the exact opposite. You did an <laughs> insane amount of laying the groundwork you had what is it three or four issues in the can you said no we had 12 yeah right <laughs> but you sent like three to retailers yeah right? we sent yeah. uh the entire first trade yeah we had that done last october gave it to retailers <laughs> then robert went on conan o'brien and gave it to everyone in the right. audience right um yeah no i mean i think that uh the difference in launch strategies i'm glad someone noticed that mm-hmm. it was definitely was intentional to try out different things um i think robert's launched so many books that he likes messing with formats mm-hmm. and uh, how to release them so yeah we did everything with Oblivion and Die to Die we just, just let be. people have it well it's very soon it was just dropped like what two weeks ago last weeks? week yeah. yeah last week please it seems like about a month ago okay <laughs> so con-, con time but uh so it's a little soon I guess to really see yeah. what they did you get any reorders on it yet oh yeah yeah within uh the first 24 hours got very significant uh, mm. reorders, so... And those were paid for? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, look, I'll be honest, I'm not that worried about Robert <laughs> losing a little money on this, but still... <laughs> yeah, we like to make money. That's right, a big, that's a big right, part of our right. business. At some, at some point, having a profit, you know, incentive. But also, I mean, the, the other crazy part of that and what we're doing at San Diego is we also put together a two-pack of action figures of the lead mm. characters, package that with a con-exclusive comic, and had that for sale, which is... Super unusual to release a comic book and action figures, you know, a week apart. Right. Um, but it's just, you know, I think Robert has the the name to be able to try new things, mm-hmm. and I think that we need people who can continually try to push the market forward. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I don't think that the impact would be as significant if it was someone without that established track record that can sell books off his name. But, uh, you know, we're not, we're not satisfied just doing the same old thing. Well, that's interesting. I'm hearing that from a lot of people here, especially at this show. It seems like um, a lot of publishers are really trying a lot of radical things right now. What, what else? What else? Well, I mean, just it, some of it doesn't sound as radical to us, but you know, just the fact that I mean, DC just had a big press event. You know, and sure. they were talking about how they're doing DC Inc. and DC Zoom. Yeah. You know. Oh, absolutely. That's and stuff. for them, that's really outside their wheelhouse. Um, you know, Marvel's licensing out their books, their kids' books, by contrast. <laughs> yeah. Hey. So, hey. Yeah. I'd so, love to. Um, yeah. Marvel license. But uh, yeah, I mean, what's your take on that? I mean, you worked at DC. You have worked at different companies. Yeah. You know, you've been at Skybound for a while. I mean, do you think yeah. this is just a time? of change or uh i mean i think we've seen in, in the sales across the industry that they've stagnated a, a bit even from you know established creators uh and what i think we're, we're competing with so much entertainment so many entertainment options outside of comic books that how do you grab readers eyes you know i mean i think image and skybound right now we get people that are super interested in first issues and they use them what we hear from retailers they use them as a it's like a trailer for the trade mm -hmm. so they buy the first issue and then they'll come back for the trade um, and that's something that we need to learn how to make work with our business model right um, right especially creators that fund the books themselves and have to wait you know until accruals come in mm -hmm. and that could be 12 to 18 months before they're making that money back and they can't keep a series going so right. yeah I think we're all you know having our own different approach. Right. Uh, I think that with the size of Skybound, it's smaller, we can move quicker. Um, and also we develop our books and get enough issues in the can that we can release them how we want. They're gonna come out on time. Uh, like, like I said, Oblivion Song, we had 12 issues done before <laughs> the first one came out. Which is not some, you know, I, I, right, right, right. sometimes I don't understand why the bigger companies don't do that, but they also have uh, shareholders to report to mm -hmm. and they can't keep the money on the books. So we use our, our nimbleness to our own advantage. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, you recently brought Chris Ryle on board, though, sure. but he his title was licensing. Published, like, like, editor? At IDW, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we haven't discussed exactly what he's working on it. Okay, Skybound. all yeah. right, so, but. but Chris, is, Chris, is, Chris is great, he fits right into Skybound. Right, but I, I mean, that does speak to expansion on your sure. part. I mean, yeah. you talk about being small and nimble, mm -hmm. but I mean, what do you see, you know, for yourself? What do you see as, well, a, as a goal or that you could talk about? Right now, I mean, we're just focus on making the best uh, comics possible and I think that we're working in the next year uh, well, we, we just announced a new book by Daniel Warren Johnson who did Extremity with us right. nominated for Eisner we just announced his new book Murder Falcon we made a guitar picks oh nice very um, nice this is a nice promo item um, so it's a combination of working with younger creators who are looking for a bigger platform and then also established people will be announcing a book next month with a very established creator that we're really excited about that's a new a new look for them um, so one of the best that. I also work on a Skybound Books line, which is an imprint with uh, Simon & Schuster's Atria Books. Mm -hmm. So right. we're kind of looking, right. which we just launched a book called Quotable Negan, and we have a uh, narrative art book called Electric State with Simon Stallenhock. But I think we're looking for different platforms to work with creators on and tell stories. That's kind of, we have, we do everything here. I right. mean, right. merchandise, film, TV, interactive, uh, VR. So we're just working with different people and then able to expose them to different platforms to, to tell stories in different ways. What what excites you about doing that? I mean, are you someone who still loves doing the comics? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like I think it's when I get together with Robert, we talk about the comics more than I mean, I haven't bugging him about the Invincible animated show details, but we love comics, we love buying original art, uh, seeing what's out there. So yeah, I mean that's 
I, I love work. I work on some video game stuff. Like I work on Telltale's uh, Walking Dead season four, and that's part of like Robert's so stretched in that I'm able to step in on Walking Dead stuff. But yeah, I don't know. I just love telling stories in different mediums, and comics is the best, most fun, most <laughs> place. Um, it really is. It's just like there's a I don't know. I can't explain it. I know. I mean, you've pursued a whole life I in know. comics. Like, can you explain it? Oh, I know, it? I know. But I honestly, to be to be brutally honest with you, I find kind of the same thing, too. It's like, even if I stick with comics as my, you know, my boat is comics, but my ocean is all this other stuff. Sure, yeah. You know? And uh, I just made up that metaphor, and I'm very jet <laughs> tired, so forgive me. <laughs> I get you going for <laughs> Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I do find that if I want to dock my boat at an island, that is interactive stuff. Yeah. Right? Well, it's, <laughs> Where's your boat docking now? <laughs> so it's definitely comics. I mean, I, I, I created my own comic and launched last year, Gasolina. And oh, right. That was yes. a different experience and, and kind of being the more sensitive creator and learning yeah. experience that way. But I, I just, I don't know. I love it. And I'll, I like working on video games, but I also know I would never want a full-time job in video games. Mm. And comics, it's just fun. Yeah. How do you think that still fits in, though, with, with Comic-Con, you know? I mean, obviously, The Walking Dead has become one of the absolute icons <laughs> sure. of the show, yeah. you know? It's, whether it's the cast, the, the parties, the pa- you know, the panels. Well, I think we look at conventions not as just one event, because, uh, you know, our team does 25 events, both in comics and gaming, um, which is a huge part of our expansion. So each show offers something different. I mean, for comics alone, I love... The New York show and the Seattle show, like those are comic book shows. Here, right. yeah, we definitely do a different dog and pony trick, but we do a huge uh, retailer event for comic book retailers, and that's that's super important to us to communicate to the West Coast contingent of retailers mm-hmm. um, and really take them behind the curtain and hopefully build a help building businesses for them. Mm-hmm. How do you think? I mean, retailers are. Um... Uh, answer this uh, finish that sentence carefully yeah I know right I'm, I'm positive. I don't know but there's you know I really see in my own I, I have two retailers who, who write for me I have mm-hmm. Brian Hibbs who yeah, represents sure. like very much the uh, tr- I won't say old school because he's sort of a rebel in that too but I mean he's a veteran he's I, got a very unique business I think too and I think he's very clear about communicating that. right right yeah. And I, uh, I also have a younger retailer, Brandon Chats, who has a store in Edmonton, okay. uh, uh, Varian Editions. So, you know, I try to have the have that variety. But, I mean, it's hard for publishers, too. I mean, when you do something the retailers don't like, you hear about it sure. very, very quickly yeah. and in a very forceful way. It's it's something that joining Skybound has made me dig in deeper. You know, when I was at D.C., I was an assistant. So, you know, even I think editors and group editors don't have that much interaction with, with retailers. So mm-hmm. kind of getting that more, that feedback. And we go to Comics Pro every year with uh, Sean Kirkham, our director of business mm-hmm. development, our SVP of business development. And it's great to just go face-to-face and people mm-hmm. are, are really honest. Like, how's this year going? And they mm-hmm. some, some are fantastic, some aren't. What books work in one store don't work for the other. So... You try to synthesize that and do the best plan of action, knowing that you're not going to be able to be the cure-all for everyone. Right, right. But, uh, yeah. Did you deal with, like, did you do, I said, when Gasolina came out for you, so did you get to do the creators rounds and all that stuff? Yeah, I did, uh, you know, a conference call. (laughs) We had our retailer breakfast, and, you know, I've met met some of these guys for, and and women for four years, and then... They didn't recognize my name on the solicit. <laughs> Once I was like, hey, this is my book. They were like, oh, cool. I'll, I'll order more. And actually, I think I think I did get a, a slight bump from all those years where people said, yeah, we like Sean. We'll, we'll, we'll spend, spend some extra dollars on right, this. But, uh, right. yeah, that's tough. Yeah. That's tough. I don't <laughs> – I'm glad being uh, editor for my full-time job 
<laughs> I, I, well, that's, you know, I just did this big article for, for Publishers Weekly about conventions. And, yeah, I mean, you mentioned doing 25 conventions a year. And, I mean, I talked to a lot of publishers about, yeah. like, like the wear and tear on them mm-hmm. and the wear and tear on the staff and, um, you know, and their creators, too. I mean, is that something that... I mean, I know you have, like, Dan, who I'm <laughs> yeah. good friends with, and I see oh, him cool. at every show. Yeah, Dan Peterson like, is, yeah. Uh, is great. I mean, he really rallies the troops. But, yeah, I mean, we see it more on our, our con staff, our mm-hmm. road dogs that just... Yeah. They, they travel a lot. But I think what we kind of hit is... I think we've reached most of the people that want to check out The Walking Dead have checked it out by now so we're getting those people that have read through all that mm-hmm. they've read through all of Robert's stuff and they want to see something else and I think that that grassroots promotion really works for us um, so being out there and, and interacting with fans directly is invaluable mm-hmm. that's what a lot of people said actually that I talked to yeah. that they you know the internet is great for some things mm-hmm. but really still the yeah. human touch like, I mean I was just standing around and some guy remembered me from last year we did a, an insiders event for our fans and uh it's cool, just, uh, you know, there's no barrier. Right. I think Robert's always been very uh, approachable, and I think he's kind of set the model for a lot of what we do here. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, um, you know, you also have Walking Dead Wine. Sure. Um, which a, a friend of mine picked up, <laughs> and because she uh, likes a bit of a tipple, and so do I sometimes. Yeah. So, actually, it's quite quaffable. Yeah. No, it's, uh, <laughs> I think if you had asked me six years ago whether we would have done Walking Dead Wine, it wasn't on the table, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> No, it's cool. And also, we get uh, Chris Burnham through the, right. the label, so we get that comic book connection. Right. Uh, Actually, when I bought it at the liquor store, the guy was like, or we went, he was like, oh, if you have, you got to get the app. Yeah. You got the app. And like, you know, the bag, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, 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 they fight. The bottles of wine will fight if you yeah. get the app. Yeah, so. you get one experience with each one, and then you put them together, and they, they fight. It's, uh, it's kind right. of Well, I see <laughs> they are serving the wine here at the at the lounge. It's way too early to be No, this is, this is nighttime. You're wrapping up. <laughs> no. Uh, no. going to go over and have a bottle <laughs> or two? No, I, I wish I could, but, you know, I will be back. i got a wristband, so I'm coming back. Uh, yeah, for sure. For definitely, when I'm ready for that, Walking Dead, we'll have some fights with the wine. Um, well, Sean, thank you so much. I really appreciate getting to uh, finally sit down and talk to you a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I will. Uh, I reserve some time, maybe in about six months, and we can talk more about "Die, Die, Die" versus "Oblivion" song and That'd some be... of the some of the lessons, the learnings. Sure. Okay. I will be as honest as I can. <laughs> okay. With you. Very good. <laughs> uh, well, happy Comic Con, and thanks again. Have a good one. Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Okay, we're back in San Diego, although not necessarily in the San Diego Convention Center. We're across the street at the Hilton Bayfront, and I'm about to get a chance to talk with... Ricardo Siri, better known as Linear, it's, uh, the great Argentine com- uh, uh, comics artist, cartoonist, uh, from what I hear, uh, painter, performer. Uh, we're going to learn a little bit more from right, right, about him right now. Linear, thank you so much for being on More to Come. Yeah, nice to see you, Colin. This is Always. really great. Yes, we have, we've been planning to do this for a while, and here we are at yeah, Comic Con. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. better place to do it? My first Comic Con. Oh, really? Is this My your first, first one? Yeah, so, yeah. And, your, uh, and your daughters as well. I met him with it was three three daughters because three daughters, there's three books right yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I just I keep making money off of them there you it's go great. that's right they, well you probably need it with the, the more daughters you have yeah, they're, they're uh, so, expensive yeah so I mean uh, 
we want to talk about your comic strip is going to be syndicated in North yeah. America now. But before that, you know, back in your home country, you're a superstar. Go ahead. We know it. We know it. Go ahead. I'm just going to say it out loud. But why don't, I'd love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about your career, how you started, and your strip. Yeah, Macanudo. well, Macanudo, I started doing it in 2002 in Argentina. Mm-hmm. We were in the middle of horrible economic depression. We were going through some turmoil with our president. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a great strip at that moment just because everything was so weird and ugly back then mm-hmm. in Argentina. And the comic, the daily strip that I do is kind of optimistic or tries to be. Mm-hmm. That it was. But it's weird too. It's weird, <laughs> it's strange, it's a little bit all over the place. But, you know, that optimism, I think it was needed back then. Sure, I'm sure. And I'm I sure. think right now, you guys in the United States, I think you, know, you could use a little bit of this. Well, we so. use a little optimism, <laughs> that's for sure. Believe me, daily life is weird enough. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, um, so you you started the strip. It really is syndicated really widely. Yeah. Um, uh, but you do books as well. I do books. I do like I'm very curious. So I, if, you know, I can't do one thing for a long time and mm-hmm. that's it. Even if it works. So yeah. the daily strip, I'm happy it works. And then you know, I I know I have that, but I have to do other stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I do graphic novels. I have a, mm-hmm. a friend who's a musician, and we used to do a show together. Mm-hmm. His name is Kevin Johansson, Spotify. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I have uh, Alberto Montt, who's another friend from Chile, and we do a stand-up show where he we do comics and stand-up to, oh, at the same time. Yeah. Which is fun and crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I am always kind of yeah. Uh, I need something yeah. to you know keep me going. I couldn't do just one thing and just do that. You know? Well, the first time I I, I saw you, met you, mm. was at a bookstore on the Upper West Side during Book Expo a couple of years ago. Yeah. This is when you I you uh, I mean uh, here your publishers tune books um, Francois Mouly but also, um, also Enchanted, Enchanted Lion yeah. Enchanted Lion and I apologize your publisher's name I can't hey, Claudia it's it's better, yeah um, and um, and you were you were painting on a giant <laughs> <laughs> canvas there was a, uh, a jazz trio in the, in the corner yeah, I made a great mistake yeah. what happened was yeah my, my book was published back yeah. then by Francois Mouly the tune books and she said, like, Ricardo, what do you want to do? And since I used to paint with my friend Kevin Johansson in the show, mm-hmm. I thought, okay, maybe I could do that. I'd do a painting. Uh, and she says, I, I have a friend, Barry Blit, and he has a jazz trio. Mm-hmm. Maybe he can play. And I go, like, yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah. And then when I'm there, and I'm wearing, like, a weird, like, you know, onesie that she yes, gave yes. me, all painted on. And and suddenly I see all my heroes arrive because Art Spiegelman yes, was there, of course, and Gary yes. Panther was there. That happens around Francois. Jeff Smith was there. Yeah. So yeah. suddenly it's not like I was doing my weird painting in front of civilians. Yeah. I was doing it in front of all my heroes, and then we're like, oh no! Uh, yes. It's like who's the who's a guy at the yeah. in the paint suit? Yeah. But you know, the, the nicest moment was when I finished freaking yeah. out and everything, but I painted yeah, yeah. my thing, and Art. Spiegelman came up and he said, "Like you did, you did well, Ricardo. Yeah, I, well, I thought you did well as my, myself. Was the I was ending of Babe. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you did well, pig. Yeah, <laughs> you did well. Well, I, I was impressed as well. I said, like, this guy's a little different. So you you do a variety of, of, of performance mm. of one kind of in addition to yeah. what we know of you. But then this is the other thing. Since we always seem to encounter each other, you mm. know." Uh, I was uh, a, a critic in residence or journalist in residence. I don't know what I really was, but I went to talk about comics uh, at the Center for Cartoon Studies in Vermont. Yeah. And then, of course, you were there also. So tell us about 
about that. That was an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason I came here to the United yes. States because mm-hmm. they invited me with a fellowship. So I came with my family in the middle of the woods. Yes. I, yeah. you know, I lived my whole life in Buenos Aires. Ah. I'm a very, you know, metropolitan type. So it was a big adventure just suddenly to become Charles Ingalls. Yes, right. It's a, <laughs> yeah, with my three it is a girls. really little town. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> in a really rural but just area. Then going to the Center for Cartoon Studies and seeing that these guys in two years learned what took me 20 to learn by myself. It's, it's a really amazing program. It, it made me very envious of all these kids and I hate them. Well, the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well it's amazing. The faculty, the students themselves, yeah. I was, I felt pretty much the same way. It's a, uh, they're so talented and uh, James Stern and Michelle Ali it's just amazing uh, amazing program they're great people and really if I was 20 years old and wanted to go really into mm-hmm. comics like really take it seriously that is the place because yeah. you know, yeah. within comics it's always oh the artistic side of it or maybe the history. But also, like, the commercial aspect of it is very hard for us cartoonists. Yeah. And they will set you, yeah. uh, you know, straight. So, that's... So, um, so, now, do you teach as well? I've been doing a course in Dartmouth because they invited me oh, to teach right. there. Yeah, that's the town. That's the big college. Really, yeah. In the town, so, yeah. they invited me because I was at hand, I guess. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not, you know. I've been doing a course on Latin American comics. Ah. It's, it's been fun. Yeah. yeah. So what what does it mean to you now to have your comic strip syndicated oh, in North America? Uh, by King Features, obviously one of the great. Yeah, it's mind blowing. Like in in Argentina, the way I w- got into comics when I was a kid, there was a, an, a newspaper in English that my grandparents used to buy because mm-hmm. they had lived abroad for a long time, so they had this thing in English, mm-hmm. and it had the best you know the page of comics because yeah. you had like. The Far Side and Peanuts. I have the Wizard of Id, yeah. and he has uh, what else did he have? BC. So you know all, all these amazing comics, and next to a, a lot of them was the King Features. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and even in our in in that this newspapers in Spanish, they had uh, I remember Trudy and uh, Moose, which uh, one by Bob Weber. I think it's called Moose and Family or something yeah, like that. Yeah, in okay. Argentina, it was called Irrias de la Gente. Okay. <laughs> and, and so, I, and I would obviously see these features yeah. right next to it. So suddenly just walking into the building, I was, yeah. that was fine with me. <laughs> I, I, this is it, I'm fine. This is amazing. All right. But now to have this, this thing syndicated here is going to be fun, yeah. I guess. Well, I think it'll be great. Uh, you, you introduce you to an American audience beyond, you know, the the, yeah. the, the people at the comic book sh- fairs. Now you, you'll be much wider circulated. So, um, uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about your books. I mean, I've heard you talk about it, particularly the three mm. books uh, that your daughters have seemed yeah. to inspire. So tell us about them. So, in, in two books, I do this kind of graphic novels. Mm-hmm. I did one with two little girls playing in the, a rainy day. Mm-hmm. And it was just one day my daughters were mm-hmm. playing outside in a rainy day in the summer. And the way they went out to play was very different because one was five, so she was very much into the rain. Sure. And the <laughs> one that was three was freaking out. Yeah. Like, and maybe this is the apocalypse. Yeah, I don't know what's what going on. <laughs> so I thought, like, oh, there's a book there. And yeah. then I did that book. Just because we parents, we want to kind of grab onto these sure, yeah. days of our girls yeah. and make it... It's even better than yeah. a snapshot. Exactly. Make a book. <laughs> then I did one. It's called uh, Written and Drawn by Henrietta, which yes. is about mm-hmm. this character that's a character from Macanudo. Mm-hmm. It's a little girl and her cat, and she's drawing a comic herself. Uh-huh. And uh, so I had to draw that 
you know, it's kind of works in two levels. So mm-hmm. one level she's working on the comic, and the other level is it's the actual thing yeah. that she drew. So I had to draw like a little eight-year-old yeah. girl. Yeah. That was fun. Yes, and I really enjoyed that. <laughs> and the third one was the Good Night Planet, yes. which is the one that brought us here tonight. Yeah, the Eisners. So yeah, that's right. Oh, that's right. I didn't mention it, of course. Yeah. You've been nominated for an Eisner. That's fine. So there you go. So yeah, so those are the, the, the you know the little graphic novels that I do for kids that I love doing. Mm-hmm. And then the other books, the Macanudo strip that I published with Enchanted Lion. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they are compilations of the strips that I've been publishing in Argentina. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Alright, well, uh, your work is delightful and funny and weird and like, you know, and, and endless. You seem to have, your stuff just pours out of you. <laughs> um, good luck tonight on the ISOs. I'll be in, the, I'll be out there in the audience looking okay. for you. So, you know, <laughs> you know hopefully you win and then we'll chase you down and, and, and take well, some pictures of you. I'm very happy to be the one that claps for the other well, guy. Well, we'll see. Yeah, going like, yeah, he we'll deserved see. it. It was better than mine. <laughs> uh, well, I've been practicing well, we'll that. see what happens. We'll see what happens. Anyway, Linus, thank you so much no, for being you, on Colin. More to Come. It's always nice to see you, man. All right, great. Terrific. <laughs> Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic Will's weekly podcast uh, on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics. Well, check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Okay, we're back on the floor of the San Diego Comic-Con, the biggest pop culture show in North America. And we're in the D.C. booth, and I really have the great pleasure uh, to be sitting with uh, Nalo Hopkinson, uh, the great science fiction novelist, um, short stories, um, we're going to talk, and the artist, the artist here, Domo, Dominique Stanton, I just want to go, we'll, we'll switch back and forth there. Uh, they're going to be working on your game and, uh, re, relaunch a Sandman Universe. Thank you both so much for being on More to Come. Uh, I'm, we're going to start with, uh, I'm going to start with knowledge because, yeah, I mean, we, I, I know you're as a science fiction novelist. Uh, it's really interesting to see you now in, in comics. Uh, we emailed a little bit, but, but maybe you could tell our listeners just a little bit about your background in comics and... Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I was a geek straight out of the womb, so... Ah, okay. <laughs> been reading comics since I was a kid sort of got away from the superhero comics and was reading more graphic novels and more slice of life stuff and then many more years ago than I'm willing to admit my brother showed me um, Arkham Asylum and The Dark Knight Rises and I read those and thought mm, wow comics superhero comics have changed they've got some teeth to them yes. uh, so that got me sort of back to to looking at them more often um, and I've known Neil Gaiman for a while so when DC contacted me and said would you like to pitch for this new Sandman reboot I was like sure sure and I mean I have been um, thinking about getting into writing comics for some time I've been studying how that's how that happens I have been informally being mentored by um, comics artist John Jennings yes well a really terrific comics Mm -hmm. artist himself as well as uh, academic um, thinker design everything yeah. yeah Um, uh, so I'm going to jump to your artist. Man. Well, well wait, before I do that, uh, uh, tell us what's uh, the, the title that you're working on on this in this particular the particular title, part of the same menu. The title is House of Whispers, mm-hmm. and Neil Gaiman has created a new house in the Dreaming. Mm-hmm. It is um, run by Elzuli, who is the 
let's say West African diasporic um, goddess of love and she takes she's particularly um, looks after women children uh, and gay people okay um, so we're gonna jump to the artist tell us a little bit about your background and how did uh, how did Nalo or DC find you how, how did you, how did you work this out um, so I actually got into DC through the um, artist workshop program oh, um, right, in yeah. 2017 yeah, I remember um, yeah and and um, from there, Molly Mahan found me, actually. She saw some pages that I did for Marvel, actually. Um, there were some Moon Girl pages. And she really loved the expression and the action that I put into my pages. And from there, she asked me, like, it, it was kind of a surprise, too. Like, you know, were, would you be interested in drawing a Sandman? book and I was like oh, of course like, <laughs> <laughs> who wouldn't you know what I'm saying um, but I'd done uh, before this I'd done a ton of stuff for Marvel like I worked on Deadpool I worked oh, okay. on um, a series called Starbrand and Night Mask um, and some other stuff but yeah this is this is um, something I'm definitely looking forward to and I've had a lot of fun working on so far I'm going to jump back to Nalo um, now you bring something obviously very specific to the Sandman universe. Maybe you can talk about that a little bit. I mean, I know very often, I mean, reading Brown Girl in the Ring and the rich Caribbean background, um, your Toronto background, very, very interesting. I, my, my father's Jamaican, and um, it's interesting. I recently started going to TCAP, the Toronto Comics oh, Art Festival. It's a great one. It's a great comics festival, but it's also put me, you know, my parents broke up a long time ago, but it's yeah. put me in touch. I have a lot of relatives in Toronto that I hadn't met in many years, so I get a double whammy yeah, when sure. I go back. Yep. So maybe you could talk a little bit about what you bring specifically to, to Sandman, in, well, in terms of the mythological. Yes, in, in terms of, of writing both science fiction and fantasy, mm-hmm. um, I work a lot with folklore. Um, and, you know, the sort of European, British folktales that so many people know, but I also bring in a lot of Caribbean folklore. Um, and so um, when uh, I heard that Elzulis, who this, was going to be running this house, uh, her, her, her version in the Caribbean is, is uh, Yemaya. And I know instantly what that's like. I know how the religions work. I'm not myself a practitioner, but it's stuff I've been writing about for about 20 years. So that's very natural to me. Also, just the sheer range of folklore that that, uh, the Sandman draws on. Again, it's something that I learned at me from my father, who was um, a literature professor and a poet and a playwright. Um, So I'm just as comfortable, um, you know, throwing in the guy with one swan wing for a hand um, as I am using the characters from the the Aoife, from the Yoruba pantheon. Um, Can you tell us anything about House of Whispers? Is it too much to, to... You know, mm-hmm. not spoilers, because I've—I mean, it's—I've it, only seen such a short excerpt. Yeah, from yeah, and, but I think that how oh, the two characters starts is in there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, I have Elsie um, having a party in her in her domain in her lower dam, um, which means that all the human characters who are there on her houseboat, because she has a huge uh, domo made it this gorgeous riverboat. You have to see it. It's amazing. He made it so much better. <laughs> so much better than I imagined it. Um, so she she her house house of, house of 
Whispers is a is a riverboat on a bayou uh, in a kind of a dream space, sort of a super, her own supernatural space. And so she's having a party with her worshippers and, you know, her hangers-on and a new friend she's just met who is um, Uncle Monday who comes from Florida folklore. I've imported him over to, to New Orleans. Uh, and he was a, a black man um, who was a bokor who was taken in slavery about to never ever be taken again and who was taken in by the Seminole Indians and when they began to lose the battle um, he turned him they helped him turn himself into a very large alligator and he goes down into the swamps so he's the king of the alligators basically so Uncle Monday is both he's a healer on one hand on the other hand he's a huge ass carnivore yeah it's okay it's a podcast yeah you can say whatever you want all right so um, he joins her on the boat for this party and I things go it. wrong because fiction is about things going wrong yes. and her houseboat <laughs> crashes through we love some it when kind things of space. Go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Houseboat crashes through some kind of space and ends up in the dreaming. I love it. I love yeah. it. And I and this is clicking in some to some of the excerpts. So 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 what about you developing the imagery? I mean, you know, do you do you need source material? Do you research? Do you guys just talk it out? How do you how do you come up with the visual? Um, for the most part, we do talk a, a, a lot as far as like you know trying to figure out the script and exactly like what Nala likes as far as like the looks of Uncle Monday and the character designs for certain people but for the most part like you know she tells me to destroy things and I just break them <laughs> you know that's that means you gotta come up with something new after you've broken everything there you, then go. you gotta go out and get something new oh, yeah. so um well this is great uh, look, I, I, I can't ask too many questions, obviously. i got to sure, go and read sure. the books. But look, this is great. It's really a great pleasure to talk to the both of you. Um, obviously, your books have been an inspiration to people. It's, and it's good to see you. You're a new artist breaking through. DC's thank on the case. Thank you very much. I appreciate so, that. Look, thank you both for being on More to Come. Thank, thank you. Thank, thank you, you for having us. And I'll see you again on yes, Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>